Hi, my name is Harris. I'm one of your podcast hosts. I'm also a lawyer at Treadstone Law. For most Canadians buying, selling, or refinancing real estate, a lawyer is the last thing on their mind. That's unfortunate because lawyers play a vital role in the process. But what choices do Canadians have? Lawyers can be very expensive. Well, Treadstone Law offers resources to Canadians so they have access to the information they need. Whether you sign up for a live workshop or a mailing list, we cover topics to help you make informed decisions and avoid costly mistakes. It's advice you can start using today, and best of all, it's free. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click the link below to get access right now. If you're looking to retain Treadstone Law, it's never been easier. Our entire process is online. From completing the retainer agreement to your signing appointment, everything is done from the comfort of your own home. We're your digital lawyers. The best part of it is that you don't pay anything when you're retaining our firm. Visit treadstonelaw.ca forward slash MAS offer or click on the link below to retain us right now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Hustle and Grit. Today on our episode, we've got Sherry Corbett. Sherry doesn't consider herself your average mortgage broker. As an entrepreneur for 20 years, Sherry has honed her skills as a realtor, business coach, marketing manager, and ultimately her true calling, mortgage broker. Her highly engaging and positive energy permeates all aspects of her life, but her knowledge and compassion for clients drive drive her to get them the best mortgage to suit their lifestyle. With a client-first approach, she treats her clients with the utmost care and open-mindedness as she would a close friend. To better herself and those who may be separating or divorcing, she became a divorced financial analyst, filling a gap in the industry to lend support during a traumatic time in someone's life. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, that was a mouthful. So you've got you've got a your business coach, your realtor, your marketing manager, your busy person. It's and I feel like uh, what I come across, some of the best mortgage brokers have to have an understanding of kind of everything, so that the because mortgage is not just a here you go, here's some money, and here's the interest rate. I it na- especially now um, when mortgages are no longer mortgages. It is so much more important to kind of understand the lifestyles people are living and what they're going through and 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 to understand what the best product is for them. So, Mike, just to kick things off, give us a run through, give the listeners a kind of a run through of a bit of your career. What made you land in mortgage brokering, even though you had all these kind of other um, things going? Well, you know, so as a realtor was probably the longest one uh, prior to being mortgage broker mm-hmm. and I was selling new homes, um, but I had my real estate license. I wasn't in the retail market and I just really liked that component of finding the right product for the right client. So when they come into the sales office and you had to find out about closing dates and sizes and budget and things like that, it was a real, it was like piecing it together. Um, however, sales, uh, new home sales agents work all holidays, all weekends, and not <laughs> not really the easiest to have a family for. So when I was looking for a change, the mortgage broker that I knew in the industry is like, you know, with the, your real estate background, you should completely look at doing mortgages. And I, I was like, oh, bing, that clicked, and I never looked back because um, I do enjoy 
the finding the solution. I do. Uh, that's my favorite part, whether I'm working with a client who has a little bit of a credit issue or an income issue or self-employed or separating any of the challenging things. I like finding that solution, that fit part, which is similar to what I was doing when I was selling new homes. So, so what, what part or what got you into, um, so you said that you were, hold on, let me just, I don't want to butcher it. You were a divorce financial analyst. Um, can you give our listeners just a little bit about that and what got you into that portion um, of the industry? Absolutely. So as a business owner, you are always looking for a way to get in front of new clients or a unique uh, type of client. It's called niche marketing. You want to have a yeah. particular ask so you can stand out. So you're not the only mortgage broker in the room. You have something that somebody is rememberable for. And when I was looking through past clients and I was trying to figure out who did I enjoy working with and who needed my services, it became very apparent that um, I enjoyed working with people going through separation, very much like a first time buyer. Uh, everything's new. It's scary. Maybe a little exciting mm -hmm. depending on situation but there's a learning curve and the fact is that as a mortgage broker people would call me and they'd be like oh I'm, I'm thinking about separating what can I afford and that is way too premature of a question to ask but I can understand why it's the first question yeah. on their mind because I have to know you know what your support payments look like what are you are you selling your home are you getting equity from your yeah. home all those questions and at the end of the day, I was hanging up on that phone call and being like, sorry, go talk to a lawyer and come back in six months. So it's not smart business to hang up on a call. And it wasn't a good, it didn't feel good in the soul to not be able to help mm. that person. So I found this credential, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. I don't practice in it, mm -hmm. but it, but I keep my education in it so that I am well-versed. I'm connected to mediators and lawyers. I understand the process. And now when I'm either networking or talking to clients, I have a unique proposition and a, neat, uh, and a different way to be able to help clients. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree with you. I feel like when you say that you know um, the, the aspect of the divorce side excites you, um, I would argue it excites me as well. But uh, and I would say we're probably on the same page in this. Correct me if I'm wrong. It excites you in the sense that you're able to help somebody, right? Not that they're going in a, in a difficult. <laughs> right, right. I'm not all like, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, that's not what I meant. I do like that they are feeling. So doom and gloom. Yeah. The world is changing. Um, if they have kids, they don't know about where the kids are going to live and what school they're going to go to, and all those components. And the least I can do that little piece of advice in the background that set that that can guide them. So at the end of this journey, when they look back, they go, "My journey was better because I connected with Sherry," and that's yeah. my hope. Yep. And 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 the thing is, is and this is why anybody coming to me, I would always. Uh, and I have nothing against the banks again, but like, I, I mean, I would always push them towards mortgage brokers because you have, you build a, a, a lifelong relationship if you're working with the right mortgage broker, because with a bank, you can't go into a bank and say, Hey, listen, I'm getting a divorce. Can you sit down and, and give me my options? That's not going to happen. Right. And, yeah. and, and it's not as simple. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Most of the time, it's not as simple as you're getting a divorce. Let's chop this in half. And now you go like it's a, a a plan that you have to create for a few years. Maybe that first product isn't the best product, but because of the circumstances, that's what you step in. And then maybe three years down the line, two years, one year, whatever it may be, you step into a better product. Is that is that correct? 
Absolutely. So sometimes what we look at is um, kids in school. So a lot of times it's, oh, my my daughter's only got two years left of high school. I really want to stay where we are and then I'll move. So maybe we have to go into a more aggressive lender where it's not really a bank type mortgage mm -hmm. and you know you're going to be paying a little bit more for that mortgage, but it's because you're carrying a home that ultimately you're going to sell later um so maybe to stay in the same school district you're you're you know stretching your finances a little bit yeah. with the exit strategy of as soon as my daughter's done school i'm going to move to a town home you know a town over and, and then my mortgage will be will be fine so we look at the strategy there um but there's lots of little nuances with divorce that people don't even think about so if i am separating mm -hmm. and i want to buy a property and I've sold this home for September 1st, and I go and buy a property for August 20th, you think, oh, I'll just get a bridge finance, which means that the lender will lend you the money mm -hmm. off of one or the other. You can't really do that because the property you're selling is in your name and somebody else's name. Property you're purchasing is only in your mm -hmm. name. So bridge financing, which means you're selling your matrimonial home and you're buying something prior, big issues, and nobody thinks about it big issues like be very mindful of that so how uh i've never you know what that's a really good point and it's never crossed my mind um because you hear about bridge financing every day i'm a big proponent for bridge financing only because when people buy and sell the same day it's a, it's a pretty big headache um <laughs> but if if you're if you're if you can set it up that way it's awesome but Give us, uh, give the listeners a, a little bit about like what options would you have if you're not, uh, if you can't go into bridge financing the conventional way, what are certain s things that uh, they can look at to bridge that gap? <laughs> well, hopefully, A, they've, they've had a good conversation with their mortgage mm -hmm. person up front and know that bridge financing is not advised yeah. um, because traditional bridge financing of a few hundred dollars to carry you for a week is not going to be your situation. Worst case, and I hate to use the word worst case, but if it does happen and you are moving because the right property came along, there are companies that do bridge financing, um, but you know that comes with a higher risk, so it comes with a higher price tag. So it will cost you, you know, four to five times on average, I'd imagine, more than a traditional bridge because we have to go to a, a, a only one or two lenders that offer that type of unique yeah. bridge. So ideally, you're not doing it if going through a separation. I, on a normal mortgage, normal move, I 100% agree with you. I want to get in that house and clean it, move my plants yeah. over, and do my stuff. You know, I love bridge financing. On a separation, be super mindful, and that's something that you wouldn't know if you just walked into the bank, right? They they wouldn't give you that much my uh, thing. Branch, or or if you walked or you spoke to a professional that uh, did not know the nuances, just because. I mean, and, and what I say is uh, the like, again, like mortgages are no longer a mortgage anymore. You, there's so much more to it now um, that like, you ha for example, with the banks, they've got a certain type of risk profile. Mortgage brokers have a book of business or a book of lenders, sorry, that you can't step through and say, OK, well, you know what? Um, this is what you're trajectory is financially and 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 you can give them the right products each step of the way because with the bank and again i i love banks i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the banks but the banks are highly regulated they and they can only sell their own products and, and so if your shoe size is a shoe size 10 and they've got a 9 and an 11 they're going to give you the 11 just because the they don't have a 10 and an 11 will fit right 
But if you want to get the 10, I always say go go to the broker um, because it's not something that's small. But in terms of and, and even the other stuff that you just kind of stated, it's uh, something that I assume is common sense. But I, I, I guess being a real estate lawyer, I just see the last mile where everything's kind of put together. I don't see <laughs> um, a lot of this stuff in the beginning, which is um, if you want to stay in a place for two years um, and like you just said, because uh, uh, your children want to finish high school, whatever it is, there's other products. Now, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, you're speaking about a private mortgage. Well, there's really three types of mortgages yeah. that we like to say. We like to say bank-type mortgages. Yeah. I don't want to limit it just to the banks, yeah. though I do I do love the banks. We work with TD and Scotia, but um, bank-type mortgages. Then you have alternative-type mortgages. Mm-hmm. They're not quite private, so they might be about 1% higher, and they might have a 1% or 2% setup fee, so very moderate. But they don't have the same regulations. They still have guidelines, but they might be able to you know, look at things a little differently. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a great scenario in a minute. And then the third type is the private lenders who are all about exit strategy. Why are you coming into this product? How long will you be here? And and how are you going to get out of it? And that would be, so yeah, we have different types of categories. Um, what I was going to mention uh, about the, the alternative lenders is that, for example, so bank lenders, they're regulated, they can do a 30-year amortization max. Mm-hmm. Alternative lenders, still very similar rates. Right now, the rates are like, yeah. um, they can do a 40-year amortization. So though you don't want to maybe have a mortgage for 40 years, it lowers your payment enough that you can stay in that particular product for that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know what's interesting? Actually, the other day on the podcast, we had a, a private lender. And and because and, I wanted to dispel some of the myths people have about private lending because uh, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, it's very expensive. And... For, and one of the things that we had covered briefly because um, it was just a lender and we didn't have anybody with your expertise was the divorce side, how um, sometimes you sometimes you just need a private mortgage to get out of the house. Sometimes you just don't want to live in the same house. So there's so many different solutions to that. Um, my question then, uh, because um, it seems like you, you – you have a rich knowledge in the divorce side and the mortgage side. Um, what's the best time to reach out to you? Um, well, I was, before I became the specialist, I was finding I was almost the first call. So mm-hmm. even before they had knew to go to a mediator or a lawyer or even understood what a mediator or a lawyer was, um, we were I was getting that call super early. So honestly, the earlier the better, because I probably can't help you at that stage, but at least I can give you some advice. Um, I actually have a book that we that's on Amazon that we uh, wrote that's a collaboration. It's a it's a collaboration of women who've been through separation and it's their little tidbits called I wish I'd known. Mm-hmm. So it's things they wish they'd known beforehand. So I give that out to anybody coming. There might be something in there that really intrigues you or really saves you a lot of money later down the road. It could be that thing about bridge financing, but it's not just about mortgages. There's ones about um, life insurance policy. Should your partner, if they're going to your ex, if they're going to have support payments owed, should you not have a life insurance policy? So heaven forbid they pass away, your children who are getting that child support Mm -hmm. is still coming. Have you even thought about that? And then who should be the beneficiary of that policy? Should, Should the ex you know, be allowed to change that policy because he's mad one day and decides I'm not going, you know, I'm changing it. Or should you only have control to change that policy? There's, 
So it's a, to answer your question, the sooner the better, because uh, even if it's only a 10 minute phone call, I just want to give you advice. And even yeah. if we're not going to mortgage together, it's not about that. It's about making sure that you have some guidance on where to go, um, some support groups or mediators, the difference between mediator and a lawyer, you know, what is yeah. for divorce reasons? What is that? Yeah. Mean? So. I mean, for me, and I've done a few, uh, I've done a few mediations for divorce and I always prefer personally, okay, this is more, I'm not giving anybody legal advice here, <laughs> but I personally prefer <laughs> somebody going to a mortgage broker, uh, or just sitting down and a mortgage broker gives people the hard truth because you could see hey, this is your asset majority of people the biggest asset they got is their house and it, it, it gives them a good understanding of where their finances are um even though they can't do anything about it because often enough when you look at that you are better equipped i would say emotionally and mentally to kind of let go whatever maybe you may be holding on against the other person and saying all right you know what financially this just does not make sense for us to drag it on let's kind of we for like we had a good run um and now we want to separate which is it's and let's respect uh, respectfully or peacefully or financially soundly separate and and be on our way and i feel like that has to happen when um you ha you look at your finances because I've, I've had conversations with people where they're like i'm like what are you fighting about like this is costing you more than the actual thing that it's worth so you just gotta yeah. um so I, you gotta draw that line right yeah. you gotta take that next step and and rise above in a way but you've got to you've got to be there and if you're not there you need to seek the the support through therapy that'll get you there yeah so my then so my question and then back to that uh, that just customer journey give us that client journey that you have so they come to you in the beginning first call right um and and you're giving them a a book and i'm going to leave the link to the uh, the book uh in our in the description uh, to the podcast below um, if you guys want to check it out, but so you give them that book and then, and then what happens? So then they'll go, they should go to a lawyer, um, go through the mediation and all of that, hopefully end up with a separation agreement, correct? Or are you kind of pulled in, in the middle of it as well? I asked to be pulled in. I, I suggest yeah. that if we're going to work together, that before you finalize your separation agreement, we look at the details, um, one thing that people get tripped up on a lot, and this is why working with mortgage broker has more um, lenders that we can mm. pull from, there is a large portion of the bank type lenders who will not take support payments as income if you don't have three month history on it. And so many times the separation agreement says that the, the support payments don't start till after this, after you've moved out of the home mm. and the home sold. So say we have somebody come to us and they're we're counting on $3,000 a month in spousal and, and child support. Um, that really limits our lenders on who we can go to. If that support's not going to, and you're selling your home for September 1st and you're moving in September 1st, but the support doesn't start till October 1st, one month later, there's no history on that support. So there's, you know, I don't want to name any particular banks, but I can't think of a bank lend who would let me do that okay. mortgage because we need that support payment history. Otherwise they're like, yeah. Um, so if I can tell you that while you're writing the separation agreement, mm -hmm. you may 
uh, find a way to write in that, okay, we need one month prior to the closing of the home, just so that that whoever's using the support can then qualify for the mortgage when the time comes. So I do ask, you know, or suggest that they, when they're getting to the final draft, you know, if they have any mortgage questions, feel free to pull me in, have their mediator call me, their lawyer call me. I'd be happy to share anything that I'm allowed to disclose. And, and we, we're a team, right? We all want to get you across the finish line and on to the next chapter. So, um, and then after the uh, separation agreement's finalized, how does that last kind of leg look like? Do you represent um, only one party or you, can you represent both sides? Like when you're doing the refinance, how does that work? What kind of information do they need to give you? So uh, what, what is it like until the, the, the finish line? Well, I can definitely, and I have absolutely worked with lots of uh, separating couples, both sides of it. I mean, they find it easier because they all have to supply the same paperwork, the sold agreement, the separation agreement, things like that. We keep all conversations confidential, mm -hmm. obviously. So what one person does, the other doesn't know. They don't, you know, but... Um, Sometimes it's easier to work with both parties because the damn payment's coming from the same source, the separation agreement's the same. Um, regardless, so they've done their separation agreement. Now we're ready to sell their home and and purchase something else. We talk about the bridge financing. You know, I give lots of advice on try to match up your closing dates or even, you know, couch surf for a week where mm -hmm. you don't need a property. And, uh, and then they're treated like any other client during my journey, right? Uh, the only difference really for a divorcing client versus a regular client that might be a first time buyer or, or refinance or any of my, you know, other clients, uh, is really that upfront portion, that upfront portion of, of being able to give them advice. Other than that, it's, it's pretty much, we handhold all the way to the finish, make sure you awesome. get there. And then, so, um, interest rates, moving on to <laughs> the grand old subject of interest rates, um, I know, so when I was, uh, again, the other day when we did have the private lender on, um, interest rates for private lending um, hasn't really changed a lot. So uh, for a lack of better way of saying it, it hasn't been a better time to get a divorce because if you need a private mortgage, the, the interest rate, <laughs> is there isn't a huge difference between the interest rate on a private versus just like a fixed if you were to get in for five years because I think rates on average for a private variable you could get something that's prime plus four percent which is probably around six seven percent um and you've got fixed at correct me if I'm wrong five we're above five now so it's not it's yep. not a, a huge uh, difference um do you see that changing? What's your opinion on 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 the market? I know that uh, we had inflation news come in, seven point seven percent. I know this is a crystal ball question, so I'm I'm asking you. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking you, okay? Because um, I think uh, it's this is my dad's told me growing up that when uh, you talk to somebody who doesn't who isn't an expert, even when they're right, they're wrong. And if you talk to somebody who's an expert, even when they're wrong, they're right because um, even though their their uh, projection may be wrong, um, the mechanics and the stuff that they're leaning on, the bigger picture, the the principles that they're looking at, because they have that expertise in that industry, it is right. Whereas somebody who doesn't have that, even if they're right, it could have been a guess. So that's that's kind of my impetus behind asking. Um, where do you see like with inflation going crazy? You, you do see, I would say, arguably. Um, businesses and, and people arguing about going into a recession. Um, where do you see 
like the interest rates by the end of this year. Um, do you see another two uh, 200 basis points? What, where, where, where do you see it going? So this is this is where I go, and it's my crystal ball <laughs> prediction. I am an optimist yep. by heart, so I'll start with that. Here's the truth: in 2019, uh, the prime rate mm -hmm. was 3.95. Um, right now, it's 3.7. So that's the Bank of Canada prime rate that we that we base mortgages off of. So 3.7 is today. 3.95 was in 2019, before the yeah. world exploded. Yeah. Right. So really, them adjusting by 0.75, which is the estimate that's coming in July, is is not going to be the end of the world. It's going to put you in the yeah. low fours. And we were, it's 2019, we're at 3.95 yeah. anyways. We're really just getting back in one way to where we should have maybe been if we didn't have to you know, have COVID on the table and all the other things that happened um, to bring the economy down. So I think you know, all the doom and gloom out there is just that. Like, I, I, th I think it's hyped up because my education's actually in journalism. And the fact is the rule number one, yeah. day number one, if it's bad news leads, right? So I think you have, I don't foresee crime rate. I do believe yeah. it'll go up in July. Um, for a couple reasons. I think it's, yeah. it's warrant to go up. I believe it's been called for, so it's going to go up to save face. And then I think yeah. it's going to stop. I truly believe we will see the 0.75 in July. And I don't think we'll see another increase for the yeah. remainder of 2022. And having said that, you know, if that brings it up to, if my math is correct about, you know, 435, 445, that's not yeah. the end of the world. Um, variable is still a great product because how in mortgages variable works is whatever the Bank of Canada prime rate is, your mortgage or your line of credit yeah. is a variance to that. So line of credits are usually, you know, half a point or 1% higher and mortgages are usually about 0 0.4, 0 0.5 under. So you're still going to have a mortgage, a variable mortgage in the 3% range, and you're going to have a line of credit in the high 4% range. That's not horrible, really. I think what's happened is that we are just gotten so yeah. spoiled that, you know, at one time you could get a, a mortgage at, you know, in the low 1% range. And yeah, for the people who have those, yeah. hang tight because <laughs> you're going to want to keep those. Um, my trend yeah. prediction uh, is going to be that in we are going to see a lot more people leaving their current mortgage as is, as opposed to the tradition. So 60 to 65% of people usually mm. break their mortgage a five-year term by year three to refinance. I don't think we're going to see that. I think you're going to see somebody who's sitting at a 2% mortgage be like, oh, I really don't want to give that up for a 5% mortgage. We'll see second mortgages come into play. Lots of second mortgages or second mortgage products. When I say second mortgages, yes, I'm mm -hmm. talking about the traditional, my first mortgage is with Scotia, my second mortgage is with another lender. You're also gonna see lines of credit come in, huge into play, I believe that. I think people are gonna look at their first mortgage and be like, it's perfect, I'm leaving it, I'm happy with it, I just need that extra money. So lines of credit, secured uh, credit cards, which are again right now yeah. they're under eight percent, and um, and second mortgages. That's going to be the the new thing. We're not going to be breaking mortgages. We're going to be riding them out till the end yeah. of their five year term. And 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 
I completely agree with you in in the sense that the the doom and gloom is overhyped. I feel like when COVID started, when actually to caveat to step back a little bit, um, I feel like the Bank of Canada is there to stimulate the economy. That's the purpose of its existence, right? When things are supposed to slow down, or they think they're going to slow down, they inject uh, more currency, more um, liquidity into the market, so the economy keeps going. When it's getting overheated then it tries to slow it down. So when COVID first hit, um, there wasn't that much doom and gloom in the media in terms of interest rates. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's going down. Just be-. And at that point, the whole world was locking down and we've been in the one of the longest lockdowns there was. And so the interest rates went down, um, the economy kept going. Now when the economy is actually opening up and people should be optimistic, you do see that inflation's getting a little crazy which is why they need to slow it down and they want everyone to take them seriously (laughs) that they are going to slow it down which is why i feel like they're really kind of in your face by saying hey it's going up that doesn't mean it's like you said a bad thing i mean prior to the pandemic three percent wherever we were at there were historically low rates i mean there were still very low rates and we do need to just from an economics perspective it's not healthy to keep giving away free money, essentially, because we're looking at 0.99. So I don't know how, how, how low it can get. And especially now, what I see is if inflation 7% and your interest rate's 4%, your real rate is actually negative. Um, and that's what people don't realize. Whereas before, if inflation's 1% and your interest rate's at like 3%, you're, you're still at a positive. So um, the value of money is changing a little bit too. So, and that's a, a whole different podcast. Um, so in terms, and but going back to kind of where we were, in terms of uh, divorcing clients, does that change anything for them? Or is it kind of, um, you know what, you're, whatever's happening in that broader market is not is, is that the effects are going to be similar to divorcing clients or is it going to be a bit more exponentialized more sensitive in that area what what, what do you see with that well the divorcing client like any client still has to qualify at the same rules so what i foresee because you had mentioned earlier how you were seeing the private rates not being that much different mm. i'd mentioned that middle category that alternative lenders who offer dramatizations mm-hmm. or higher income versus debt uh carrying those lenders right now, as of this morning's, you know, when I'm looking at rate sheets and I'm comparing a bank one to the alternative one, we're talking like a quarter point. So yeah. for people separating, um, if we need to stretch out that to make you a single income now, now's actually a good time. There's there's lots of op- options there because yeah. that middle lender is trying to get a bigger piece of the pie and they are succeeding this is mm. for them. They're probably all sitting back going, oh, how do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, if your bank says no, doesn't mean it's a no at all. Okay. So just to, to wrap things up, um, if, if the listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Should they email you? Should they give you a call? What's, yeah, what's... Email. So, yeah, email sherry at sherrycorbett.ca. Uh, my website is mortgagesindurham.com, though I work anywhere in Ontario mm-hmm. uh, or Canada, but you know, Ontario is where I hang my hat. Uh, call, text, whatever. I'm I'm easy to get a hold of. And I'm gonna have all of uh, Sherry's contact information below or on the side wherever you're watching this from. <laughs> um, contact her if you have any questions. Thank you for coming on the show, Sherry.
Yep, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. Awesome.